This is Making It Happen by Sims, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Welcome to the Making It Happen podcast by Sims International. Um, For those that don't know me, I'm Kevin Howes. I lead the sales and marketing team here at Sims. And I'm delighted to say today that I've got with us a chap called Chris Hollidge from G2 Video, Digital Video. And um, yeah, for for those that don't know Chris and the company, um, I'll pass over to Chris now to introduce himself and what it is that he does. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, so I'm Chris Hollidge from uh, G2 Digital Video. we're a uh, manufacturer of rack-mounted uh, computer hardware and workstations um, that we provide uh, predominantly for sort of AV industry, but uh, lots of different markets, lots of different people. Um, so yeah, happy to be here to have a chat to you today, Kevin. Um, and welcome. And uh, fortunately for us today, um, bearing in mind yesterday was the hottest day of the year. Uh, it, it's nice and cool here today, so uh, hopefully the conversation will be the hot thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> definitely need to be uh, inside. In our, uh, thank- thankfully, we did have some uh, air conditioning running yesterday, so we weren't weren't melting too much. But of course, then you leave and go outside, and it's absolutely roasting, wasn't it? Uh, it like hitting a brick wall of warm. Yes, exactly. Yes. That. So, um, um, so I guess um, starting really with um, thank you for the introduction around the company. Maybe if you could just cover um, for those that don't know. So, so when was G two founded? How did how did the G two story start? So uh, we're actually in our 20th year this year. So 2003, we um, first started trading in, in April. So hopefully next year we'll have a little uh, soiree to celebrate our, uh, as I say, our 20 years in business. But yeah, we um, started out in the early days actually just doing um, sort of small hardware systems. Um, I actually used to be a project manager way back in the day for a uh, interactive kiosk company and uh, back in the sort of early noughties reliable hardware was always a, um, a bit of an issue actually. So uh, I uh, started G2 actually with the idea of sort of creating sort of mini PCs and small format hardware to try and resolve the issue of fitting computers into um, tight spaces. But that was the way I used to take screens off laptops and do all kinds of things to get hardware into um, into these places. So yeah, it was it was using a bit of engineering background and various things to perhaps sort of create some new solutions that didn't exist at the time. And, um, and things really went from there, I guess, you know, over the years, we um, did more, more niche products and, and we've always worked with business customers all along. We've never really been, um, we never worked with consumers because our products never appealed that way. But um, yeah, later on those sort of products, I guess, sort of developed as our customer base, um, increased over the years and we were approached by a customer one day who just said you know have you ever thought about rack mounting some of this because you've got some good hardware systems here and and that kind of all started it really um, you know we I wasn't really sure you know where where things were going to go in those early days you know in terms of market space and things but it was particularly in AV um, where we found there was there was real traction um for rack mounted systems and so yeah our one new pc actually was the first product we ever designed i mean all right it doesn't look anything like it used to back um 16 17 <laughs> about, years about ago a quarter of the size and, and, and weight and everything else yeah <laughs> this is it yeah but it's but fundamentally it's um yeah it's, it was the same principle under which we designed it which is a short depth unit to to mount mount lots of machines in a um 
uh, in a rack enclosure to run AV, um, like media server types software to display, to run signage on, on lots of screens. And that, that for a long time became our, our bread and butter product, if I'm honest. Um, and I guess, so going back 20 years ago then, so there probably wasn't an awful lot of companies offering what you were offering at the time, because ultimately, you know, most of the things you bought were at that point bog standard from the tier one OEMs. Yeah, that, exactly that, you know, and, and to be and to be honest, you know, a lot of it is still that way even these days, you know, the, as you say, the tier ones with, um, all um, have the massive share of the data center market and produce obviously tons of servers, which which people love and they've got great support and all that kind of thing. But you know, I'm, I, if I can, um, if I'm able to sort of uh, clearly sort of talk about the difference between workstations and desktops and servers, you know, the applications are, are quite different, you know, so that as you say, the tier ones are all in the server and the data center market, you know, and that's what they're interested in is, you know, large pools of users accessing lots of machines in clusters and doing all this kind of complicated thing. But our customers aren't into any of that you know what they're after is dedicated hardware on site or on location where someone's using it for quite a heavy duty task um and there is still a need to rack mount you know rack mounting isn't all about data centers you know there is a question of um portability it's it's a it's a rugged system to be able to fix a computer into a um a housing or a carry cable or, or into the back of a truck you know ob or a touring truck or anywhere and have it securely mounted there um so that you know these devices can be moved around and and the tier ones don't do that you know they they don't make systems with that sort of rugged um principle in mind and that's where our marketplace is you know is, is creating those systems and um and and having reliable you know reliable um, enclosures and things that work. Um, I was even told a story like one of our customers who um, did a gig for a big band and uh, they did all the AV for it. And they said one of the handlers, when they were unpacking the truck, dropped an entire rack, 42U rack off the back of the lorry onto its back off the, off the forklift. And they picked the whole thing up off the ground, plugged it in, and it all still worked, you know, and, and they carried on, did the show and repaired it afterwards. So, you know, you have to... You, you, you don't know, get that do in the data that center. With, no. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> Hopefully you won't have that in the data center. Yeah, exactly. So I guess that throws up its own challenges, right? So to making it ruggedized, what, what, are, the, what are the steps and the processes that you need to go through that would be different to a data center to, to make this product as rugged as, as you're talking about? Because I guess yeah. there are a number of challenges that exist outside of the data center where, you know, it's a fairly stable environment. So suddenly, yeah. you know, you're dealing with probably heat, you're dealing with movement, you're dealing with a lot of other aspects that just aren't part of the data center. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and it is exactly that, you know, in a data center, everything is controlled, isn't it? You know, climate, humidity, everything, the environmentals are very, are quite easy to work with, with us, you know, we can have kit outside, it could be in the roof of the theater, you know, where it's sort of 40 degrees, particularly like yesterday, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it gets transported, you know, so we, we do have to, um, you know, our systems are, are, it helps them being slightly smaller i guess you know if you imagine a really big one new server it, it just has a bit of movement intrinsically because you can't make it solid um but when you sort of shrink things down a bit you know we just design our enclosures so they have additional screws you know they're just and rigidity in the way that they're designed so that they don't move around so much and the fixings where the um units mount into the rack you know predominantly 
with Dell and HP, they have all these toolless fixings, which are very quick and nice to put together, but that doesn't stand any kind of movement, you know, so you need proper fixings to be able to secure the units into the racks and things. And um, yeah, it's just a solid construction. You know? That's what people say about a kit, you know, is that it just when you pick it up, it feels solid and, and reliable. And, and how do you manage redundancy in those kind of issues? Because obviously if there's an issue on field or out on site, that's very different to having an issue in a data center, for example. So, so what precautions or what, what steps do you put in place to manage redundancy and to make sure that there is a backup in, in the event that something, hopefully it doesn't, but does go wrong? Yeah, it's, it's, it's inevitable, isn't it? Unfortunately, and it's guaranteed that on the show, you know, if you're, if you've got some, something important going on that you're going to have an issue. I mean, to be fair, an awful lot of clients run backup machines in, in these very critical situations, but the hardware that we designed still is very similar in principle in terms of, um, you know, the large servers that we, you know, we have redundant power supplies, we have hot swappable bays, um, you know, so there's, there's lots of options to, to put in redundancy, um, f for configuring the hardware. Um, I mean, hot swap redundancy in, in terms of the hard drives these days has moved on masses, you know, we've now got M.2s for, for speed and, um, U.2s for, um, uh, for sort of high availability there's, there's just tons and tons of different options now that you can put into the systems but I think it does help that SSDs have got larger in capacity because obviously now it means not having to use three and a half inch drives um, you start putting th too many three and a half inch drives in the system and, and you need a forklift to lift it by itself anyway so SSDs have definitely helped with that sort of portability I think and, and the capacity and everything else but um I guess that's perhaps where we differ again slightly is that in a data center, you're going to have this requirement um, for uh, lots of you know, terabytes and terabytes of, of capacity, whereas for us, actually, people just want fast, um, reliable storage to be able to run shows on. So, you, you know, and that's where the RAID and redundant power supplies can come in and sort of help with all of that. Um, I think the perhaps one of the last things I guess I didn't mention about environmentals is, is cooling, of course, you know, because, um, you know, these systems do do get subjected to some pretty different sort of temperature constraints and things. And so over the years, we've worked in in lots of different um, uh, sort of designs and things to try and mitigate noise because some of our customers have noise sensitive environments. Um, but also just working with really high end processors, um, you know, AMD's new Threadripper range, they've just released the um, 5000 um, series Threadrippers. Um, you know, these are seriously powerful processors that use an awful lot of um, awful lot of energy and dissipate an awful lot of heat um, that we have to try and get through. And so number of years back actually we were lucky enough to work with a um, games company who who needed to run at the time it, I think it was the i9 9900k so it was a desktop processor but they wanted to run it absolutely flat out as fast as it could go all the time without any performance degradation so they literally wanted the five gig per core all the time possibly and then that little... for the impossible but <laughs> it, it was <laughs> it's just so small this thing you know you just think it, i don't know how it, how it can do that and it, it is just about dissipate getting the heat off it as quick as you can so we actually came up with a water cooled solution um for it now this this was not something that was being done at the time you know there was water cooling in desktop towers you know for gamers and this kind of thing but to put something in a rack mounted solution that would tour with this event that was going around and, and everything else was was a big challenge and so you know we we engineered a solution that came up with that water cooling and i can't remember how many systems went out but it's on a six-month roadshow that they were running 
Um, and yeah, that was the start of us doing these sort of higher end um, water cooling systems as well, you know, and of course that has now developed into GPUs and all kinds of other things as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a, uh, uh, it's definitely been some challenges over the years, that's for sure. So, so with that in, in, in terms of the innovation, I guess, I guess the takeaway there is this because you have the ability in house to customize and to work and to innovate in a way that perhaps others don't. I think that's what it is exactly. We we center very heavily on an engineering company. In fact, I would almost say we're an engineering company that makes computers um, rather than right. a computer company that likes to engineer. Um, you know, so all of our design is done in house. Um, all of our R and D and everything is all done in house, and then we subcontract the actual physical manufacturing out to companies who who have that sort of resource set up but yes that that's what we major on is the actual testing and finding solutions and, and coming up with the um the principles i guess you know to to make these things work um we are quite lucky that you know we have a good customer base of, of people who like to test things as well you know if we've got something coming up that we need a bit of application testing on we might um ask a customer if they if they've got a solution that they want to try out on and, and get some real world testing you know there's nothing better than getting things out in the field and actually knowing how they work but we can only really do that as as the sort of smaller organization that we are you know if you're one of the big um, manufacturers that's not the kind of thing you do you know you you develop solutions and and you come up with all the answers and then you package it up but i, th I guess we you know being that sort of type of organization we like to work with our customers and and develop these sort of perhaps more niche applications and, and do you think that that plays a big part from your side in terms of the development of the products is it actually driven by customer demand in terms of going out finding out what their problems are and then finding a solution as that's bespoke to them as opposed to a broad range of products that you just offer out to market yeah exactly yeah i mean we you know we like customer feedback you know we um we we quite heavily take that on board in terms of where the direction is going to be and at the end of the day there's no point in creating something that people aren't buying um i guess that's the advantage of being in business so long now is that you know all of our products from the one new pc where we started they all have have been generated out of customer interest you know and we're still going now i mean we're about 15 products like base products as we are at the moment um throughout the different sizes and then someone else will come along and say actually what I need is something that's going to do this. And so we'll look at the sort of engineering of it and move along. But it's the thing, things have changed in engineering as well over the years, you know, back, back 15 years ago, you know, you had to go through a lot of processes with tooling and sampling and things like that to be able to create things. But 3D CAD and rapid prototyping and all this kind of thing, 3D print, it just has moved things along massively. So now the actual turnaround in terms of getting a customer demand um, through to an actual full production batch is can be as little as three or four weeks you know it's quite fast to actually move things around but that again is because perhaps of the sort of engineering background and all the knowledge that we have built up over so long we don't need to ask so many questions or test so much because we know an awful lot of what the answers would be or what the problems might be in creating these different solutions um, and you know, and this this is where we are at the moment, isn't it? You know, we've had all these issues with shipping and this kind of thing in the last couple of years. We're getting things out of the Far East. You know, it's difficult for some manufacturers, you know, our competition to be able to get um, product from Far East into the UK and be able to engineer and design it. The fact that we keep everything UK side, so all of our engineering, everything else is done, all the manufacturing is done in the UK. So we've got complete design control and access, you know, control over um 
how the supply chains are working and everything else. And that really helps us in terms of deploying those solutions quickly. And across the, the 20 year span, have you seen that the demand from customers, you know, things are expected quicker, you know, perhaps previously they may, they may have worked further in advance. Now it's turning up and saying, well, actually, I need it within three, four weeks. Is that becoming more of a requirement? Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? You know, you um, uh, everybody wants everything faster, don't they? That's that's the issue. You know, there's um, we've, I guess. It, it, it sort of depends where they are actually because we we have a um german sales office as well so we deal an awful lot in northern europe and uh, the the requirements coming out of there are often more time limited than um than perhaps we have in the uk um but i guess the the thing is is that uh an awful lot of people are just used to at the moment particularly you know we've all sort of come away from this just in time you know everything's sitting on a shelf and we're all used to the fact that now in the real world unfortunately component shortages and things are causing delays and we're working a little bit further ahead so to be honest quite often our customers are prepared for the fact that we say you know actually we could do that from three or four weeks and you know and they're like okay well that's that actually I, I could sort of work with um and some of these changes you know they aren't they aren't um massive because our product range is so varied now um, we can solve an awful lot of solutions straight away, you know, just with what we have. So an awful lot, the, the sort of changes that we get involved in now, to be honest, tend to be more branding related. Because um, this is one, of course, one of the big advantages we have, I guess, is as a design manufacturer is that we have control over, um, you know, how our products look. Um, and therefore, if a customer comes to us and says, look, actually what I'd like is my logo on this, or I'd like it, the front panel a different color, or, you know, they can be quite minor, some of the changes. Um, and so we can run those sort of changes and we can create um, custom metal work and things. And, and that stuff, you know, sometimes doesn't even take a couple of weeks. You know, branding is a relatively straightforward exercise these days. And we have plenty of customers who who brand like that to create that sort of black box um, uh, system, you know, that that's going to really benefit their product um, and, and provide real value add um for, for their sales when they're trying to deliver their solutions that's interesting so i guess going back a step you, you kind of touched on a core base of 15 products for for those that don't know um, who you are or perhaps are interested in working with you could you just give an overview on, on what those products are and what they do um so so perhaps you know anybody that is interested can kind of have a look and, and, and see what's available yeah, sure. So um, I guess we start at the sort of smallest end of the range. So we still have some um, basic mini PCs, which can just be mounted to a wall. Um, and they just are a compact solution that, um, as I say, can be pretty much be mounted anywhere. Um, we then sort of build up into uh, some what we call hybrid systems, I guess. So what we're sort of classifying there are some mini PCs um, that essentially can be mounted side by side in one use. So we have two products, which is the Bantam um, and the Intel NUC based system. So the Bantam is a sort of desktop based um, PC that you can mount two of them side by side on a one U panel. Uh, the NUC, you can actually mount three of them side by side on a one U panel. Um, so in those solutions, what we're going for is obviously to have a bit of density computing where if customers are um, looking for a backup, a bit like we were talking about earlier, they can actually put a couple of units onto a one U plate. They can still put it in a small flight case and they can carry it around. Or well, some customers, you know, we supplied 
50, 100 uh, units just because they want high density in a rack, you know, and they just want to get all of the stuff into it. Um, but in, in, in those situations, our sort of unique design on those, because everyone's, you know, lots of people use an Intel NUC or probably even have one sitting in their office somewhere. Um, the unique design from our point of view is putting it into a package where um, we can add some of the sort of features that you need for rack mounting. And, and we sort of see those as an internal AC power supply for starters, you know, where you plug your 230 volts straight in the back of the unit, um, additional networking so that you, you know, for, for connecting to different uh, uh, setting up VLANs or doing anything different on the networking. Um, PoE, we now do some um, power over Ethernet uh, devices. So you literally can plug single cable into the back of the unit. You can power the PC. Um, you can do all your networking and everything else over it and almost run it as an entirely headless system. Um, so yeah, on those sort of, on that entry level sort of scale, that sort of high density range of systems, you know, we have those sort of products. We then sort of jump up into the, single systems in one U. So we've got like our um, uh, one U Nano or one U PC and our one U Plus. And we've sort of got that standard naming convention throughout the name uh, throughout the range. So one U is pretty simple, straightforward. Nano is the shortest unit we do. The PC is the middle one and the plus is a, is a deeper one. So, and we have that through two U and three U and four U. We, we have kept that naming convention. So our one U Nano is a tiny little short depth thing you know it's just a motherboard small pci expansion bay and it's great for a comms cabinet a control system you know something basic i mean you can still put an i7 processor in it if you want to but you know it is a fundamentally just a compact and cost effective um system that we uh that, that lots of customers use for for those sort of basic solutions and then as we go up through there you know the one new pc which as i said earlier first product we ever made um similar kind of sort of processes and things that you can put into that system uh you can fit two pcie cards in there which is quite handy if people are trying to do multiple things or multiple inputs on on a one new system and then we've also got um hot swap bays um hot swap hard drive uh two and a half inch bays on that unit as well um so yeah that that system is quite configurable the one you plus uses a slightly bigger motherboard. So we, in these ones, we go into a bigger motherboard where it's got more flexibility around uh, the PCI expansion slots and you can put more hard drives in it. You can put bigger processes in it. Um, we do also have what we call a one new Titan. It was a project we did a little while back um, to be able to uh, mount thread rippers in one new. And we've done, um, done it as a bit of an R&D, a bit of a test case, and it's been quite successful. Um, but if I'm honest, most people, I think by the time they get to wanting to use Threadrippers are used to the fact they're going to have a 2U or a 3U or whatever it's going to be because they want to put GPUs in it or and other things as well. So not being a massive seller that one, but it is still part of our range. Um, I think, you know, 2Us probably are our bread and butter really of everything that we now sell, um, the 2U Nano particularly. So we created the 2U Nano, I think was our, maybe our third product that we ever developed. Um, and that uh, was because people were asking for high power processors in a short depth case, but with a with a big graphics card. So I'm going back now to when we had the um, uh, NVIDIA, the 1080 Ti um, was the uh, sort of first powerhouse of a graphics card that people were starting to use. And, you know, that was a bit of a challenge for us to see if we could mount that into 
in into a short depth case. So we literally created the 2U Nano on the basis that we were going to put that card in there with an i9 processor and sort of see how it see how it went. And, and as it was, it was a brilliant, it was a tight fit, but you know, actually from a calling point of view, we could do everything we needed to. It was compact, you know, you just couldn't get any more density into a smaller device really. Um, and even now we just sell tons of the two, you know, because it's a really popular system for, for AV professionals, you know, when they're out um, so, touring. So the two U into AV out touring, I, I mean, I, I'd imagine that's a market. I think we touched on it briefly um, when we last met that, that that's a market that's had its challenges over the last kind of two years as Hasn't a result it, of everything yeah. that's been happening. So, so how do you see the opportunity moving forwards as, as hopefully there's a rebound? Yeah, I think so. And we and we definitely have seen that from an awful lot of customers. Obviously, this year, we've seen, um, you know, an awful lot of festivals now running, you know, basically normally, you know, lots of people are keen to get back out again, aren't they into the fields and out into the theatres and the shows, you know, and all this kind of thing, you know, we're done with being tucked away. So yeah, it's now all about getting out and about, um, definitely seeing lots more shows coming back online. You know, a lot of customers have, you know, a lot of companies have struggled over the last couple of years, you know, and that's been challenging for them. But, you know, we we have pretty good cost effective units, you know, with lots of different variety across the range. And for us, that's, you know, it's not about selling the, the most expensive unit for us. It's about finding the right solution, you know, and we have customers who come and say, oh, you know, I need an i9, I need a massive graphics card and all this kind of thing and it's like well let's let's talk about what you're doing with it and, and perhaps we can help you sort of economize this down because there's no point in spending more money than you have to um and that's part of of where we sit you know it's it's advising the right systems and making sure that people understand what they're buying and what perhaps their their upgrade paths are but um yeah definitely in terms of the av um the AV sort of market and just return to those live events. It's been um, it's been really good to see people come back out. Obviously, we've got Christmas coming. Hopefully, uh, things will start to uh, uh, sort of pick back up for the sort of um, theatre productions around Christmas time. And yeah, things continue to grow um, in that respect. But, but you, so your business over the last two years um, has been, I know we spoke, has, has performed strongly. So I guess outside of AV, you've also found other other ways and other markets to address. Um, I know you, you touched on some of the kind of out of bounds trucks. Is, is there any other areas that you, you've kind of moved into as a result of a, a quite a couple of years on the AV side? Yeah, I think I, mean, I think a lot of companies perhaps have seen um, a need for cloud services in general, haven't we? You know, I think yeah. you know we've all gone on to Zoom, and um, I'm sure you know 365 and lots of big companies have all sort of benefited from customers moving to those sort of cloud services. So one of the things that we've seen is um, there's been a need for a, sort of these remote workstations, you know, again, coming back to what I was talking about at the start, you know, not everything that sits in the data center is a server serving lots of customers. Some of it is dedicated hardware, you know, it's one user, one device. Um, and we have a number of customers who uh, work in the sort of, um, I guess, sort of animation fields, you know, in, in the sort of high intensity, high workload environments. Um, who are needing to have the remote, the advantages of remote offsite working, um, but with the power of workstations. And so our 2UPC um, is was the one that we sort of focused all of the water cooling around and the one that we've continued to target an awful lot of our um, energy and R&D around sort of working with the high power processors. So yeah, through lockdown, we've seen the AMD Threadrippers making a real appearance in that sort of um, remote rendering and um, environments where you need to be able to be doing sort of a lot of number crunching off site. 
um because i think you know apart from the fact an awful lot of companies have said you know maybe we don't need so much office space maybe we don't need to be paying for that maybe the best thing to do is to have all of this stuff tucked away somewhere neat and safe in a in a data center underground somewhere where we don't have to worry about you know looking after it and so and so people are moving to that sort of um almost um sort of workstation as a service you know actually um putting this stuff in where they can switch it on and off and so yeah we've seen a massive um massive increase in business in terms of um that sort of side of things as well and i guess in that area performance is becoming even more important you know the, the demands on the on the on the workstations and the software capability are, are ever increasing because constantly people want more, more performance more power more more speed yeah exactly uh, people always want more don't they exactly yeah. <laughs> and this is it and, and and rightly so you know the um pro the, you know chip manufacturers have been answering that with with these ridiculous high-end processors and you know as i say we've seen um ssds just get faster and faster and you know in the, it's interesting actually in the sort of lower end of the market in the desktop market you know the i3s and i5s and things these processes still do obviously way more than the, the average user ever needs to yeah. um to actually perform on hardware but at the opposite end of the scale you have people who just need more and more and more um processing because what used to happen on gpu is now being moved back onto cpu again because of this sort of uh, efficiencies and things of the process and design you know and, and the number of cores um so yeah, there's a there's a real stark contrast between the two different ends of the spectrum in terms of what people are looking for. But quite reliably, it's where they're being used. You know, you see the high end stuff being used in broadcast. It's been used in the remote rendering. It's been used in the film industry. You know, it's where they want the absolute cutting edge of of performance. Is where these systems are going, and they still want them rack mounted. You know, it's the um, the big tier one do desktop systems and things, but we're finding rack mounting is still um the preferred choice where people can tuck that hardware away out of the way where it's not making a load of noise or put it in a remote data center and and not have to worry about it and i, and I guess from that perspective um you talked about some of the customization you can do you talked about your you know consultative approach and engineering approach i guess that's really kind of the leading edge in terms of being able to test those platforms out with these companies that want the very best and then obviously that that, that then becomes standard uh, beyond that for anybody else that wants that wants similar yeah, this is it. And there's, that's exactly that. We've got some great examples of, of these projects being deployed, you know, in, in different countries um, where they just just want to have, you know, the sort of best hardware. They want it branded. They want it looking nice. They want it to be, you know, on, on brand for their company and that kind of thing, because that it's that whole solution, isn't it? It's the whole thing about we all want to be able to offer our customers the best, um, you know, the most um unique solution something that no one else can something that looks amazing something they can show off to their customers you know it's it's about creating this um this this sort of look and um whilst it's all um all very well you can go and buy off the shelf hardware the problem is it slightly lets down that sort of big end project because someone goes well i know where you buy that from because it's written all over it and i know what it costs and somehow it devalues the overall um uh, sort of a bit aesthetic, the whole sort of feeling of of what you sort of created, you know, in these environments. It, almost yeah, towards the me too element of it, as opposed to actually differentiating. Yeah. And yes. um, yeah. so, so, so kind of we, we kind of we kind of covered a lot around product. We covered a lot around um, what it is in terms of the problems and the markets and, and the areas that you address. In terms of the kind of services that you offer them. So, so what an addition? If, I, if as a customer, if I've come and I bought a system, what additional services do you offer me? 
So we've, um, I mean, so, so as a smaller company, you know, we've, we've over the years sort of struggled with support and services and things, you know, and getting that sort of solutions to end customers. Um, but these days, you know, we've now got um, lots of financial services in terms of doing lease arrangements and rentals and all kinds of different things. We've got on-site support um, contracts that we can offer on next day or critical services. Um, which we can now supply to customers through a partner that we've got who's got engineers all over UK, Europe and over the world and things. So, you know, we now have um, a lot more infrastructure, a lot more capability to be able to back up these systems, you know. But more than that, you know, we we aren't a um, faceless company. You know, we aren't just a telephone number where you end up in a call centre and you end up with a ticket number and now you're waiting. The point being, you call us, you get someone to speak to, you know, and, we, and there and then we will start talking about your problem and we'll work out what the best thing to do is, you know, we want to solve customer issues and we want them done quickly, you know, because that just creates a much better feeling from everyone's point of view that that when you are dealing with us, you know, you're being looked after. Um, and that's really important to me individually, you know, all the years that we've been um, bringing G2 up and all the um all the things that we've been working toward are towards, you know, providing that next level service, not just people say, you know, oh yeah, I provide good service to my customers. It's not just about that. It's providing something better um, than our competitors do and doing something else that, that um, creates, you know, that sort of security that people want when they're going to be buying some, you know, high-end workstations. Um, you know, a few years back, we uh, engaged in the ISO 9001 um sort of system and, and brought it on board within the company and we now you know we're audited every year for how sort of quality services you know we um are really keen to learn where we fall down you know if there's any issues then then they're recognized and they're um, engineered out so that you know we don't get those problems again you know that's you know that's what we do it's not just about building products you know we want that complete um offering and it's so important. I think you and I, uh, we were fortunate enough to, to meet uh, not so long ago. I think you and I talked at length about actually how a lot of that service level, the people element has been lost over the last kind of two or three years. With, with lots of companies hiding behind lack of lack of people to address such issue and, and actually relying on kind of voicemail systems and note messages, whereas actually that what, what businesses want is actually, I, I want you to know that my, my problem is important and it's going to be yep. solved and it's going to be solved by a person. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and that's one of the reasons we like Sims, you know, we've, you know, do, been doing with sales now for a while. We like the service we get, we, you know, that you, you as a company get that you're on the same wavelength we are, you know, we, we, you know, we like working with companies like that. And I think that's what it's about. You know, it's not about cost all the time. It's about, you know, creating, working with companies and partners who under, who have like-minded and similar sort of things. And we, you know, we want to sort of connect with our customers at all end points, you know, from the sales right the way through to the problems, you know, we like um, finding ways of being able to just talk to people. It's one of the reasons we don't sell products on our website. You know, we don't have an e-commerce platform because we want you to, we want you to know what we sell. We want you to know what we do, but we want you to come and talk to us. You know, we want to understand what your problem is and, and how we're going to help you deliver that. And consultation is such a, such a key part, understanding the challenges and understanding the direction. It, it does make a huge difference. And as you say, that that's perhaps not what you get from the tier ones because it is just a, it's just a platform that's available. And if you, unless you're willing to spend a huge amount, perhaps not so important. So, so talk to me about the, the number of customers you serve then. So, so what does that look like? What are the production lines look like? You know, what are your capabilities in terms of a, you know, on an average month or week? So, 
generally we sit uh so in an average year we probably ship between sort of two and three thousand uh systems um currently we are actually just in the process of um of going through a relocation so we've been been in our current premises and expanded out through the sort of building over over the 20 years and we just got to a point now where we're so completely out of space that we're uh, we've had to make a move so yes we're shortly over to uh new premises that um will that are just and what, what is that a much what does that offer once to the new premises in terms of um additional resource just a much bigger production capacity this yeah. is it you know yeah we're, we'll be going to sort of three or four times the production capacity that we are currently now and it's um and apart from anything else just the stocking warehousing you know the component shortages and things have taught everyone i think that you just have to unfortunately hold more stock of everything to be able to deliver products and so that's what the new premises will offer us is those advantages in terms of um more stock capacity more production capacity but also the engineering side you know one of the things that we would really like to get into is the sort of small batch production um manufacturing on site you know i don't ever have a view that g2 is going to be actually manufacturing our own products i think that's probably a step too far but so coming back to the rapid prototyping, small batch productions, the um, customization, there's an awful lot of work there that we, with a bit more space, we'll be able to sort of bring that back in house and then we'll be able to be even more dynamic in terms of the solutions that we're sort of offering. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's the hope, you know, with all of this is to sort of keep, keep growing. As you say, we've, we've only ever grown since our, uh, since our inception 20 years ago. And, and this last year, we've, we've seen a big bounce in terms of customers who's obviously been recovering from, from lockdown. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's been challenging times, but I'm pleased to say that things are looking more, definitely looking more positive, which is good. I, and I think that's probably echoed um, across the industry in general. I think um, the outlook is, is looking far more positive. But I think certainly for those companies, as, as you said before, that are consultative, that are people focused and that aren't willing to offer a service that perhaps is differentiated. So, um, I mean, from, from my side, um, I'm always fascinated by where the, kind of the memory technologies end up. I guess for you, the, the passion comes from the love of technology, but also um, the variation of where your technology goes, right? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, you know, an awful lot of the... Uh... Uh, guys in production you know like hearing about is where um, everything's sort of heading you know in terms of um, you know the, the the technology where the products are being used um, and everything else so it, it's a really um, it's a really exciting yeah to know where where uh, where things are sort of going out to you know those sort of key projects and things um, and um yeah, sort of developing those ideas, you know, and, and, and getting involved in um, getting involved in those projects. Yeah. Is there anything else for anybody listening that you, you kind of want to you want to mention about what makes you so unique uh, on top of, of the areas that we've, we've spoken about already? Yeah, I mean, it's um, as you say, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot here, haven't we? I mean, I guess, you know, it's just recapping, I suspect, you know, just in terms of um, if you've got solutions that you're not finding anywhere else in the market, you know, if you've got something that, you know, you may not need an awful lot of systems, but you need to something a bit unique, something that you're not finding with any of the tier ones, um, a solution that, you know, perhaps is just a bit out of the ordinary, then then come and talk to us, you know, who knows, we might have already done it, um, you know, and, and likewise, if you're struggling with um, stocking, you know, lead times are long, this is one of the big problems, again, we're seeing, you know, with very long lead times, we're carrying 
an awful lot of stock you know we try and mitigate out these problems and as i say because of our uk manufacturing we aren't suffering from an awful lot of the issues that um perhaps some of the other companies are so um yeah as i say we're always here always happy to have a chat you know jump on our website drop us a uh, drop us an email and uh, and or you know even jump on our linkedin you know particularly at the moment we're doing an awful lot of work trying to keep our sort of social media and our um, innovations and things up to date so that people know what we're what we're working on and what's coming along um talking about new technologies that we're allowed to talk about at the time um, no, you know and yeah, all this kind of thing uh, yeah, yeah this is it um you know and so yeah just just uh keep up to date with our news and, and sign up to our newsletter if you uh, if you want to hear about that and actually on that i, I will say there's a, a rather impressive video uh, on your website that does talk about it all of, all of the stuff that we've discussed here today and uh, a very bite-sized piece. So I, I will put a link to that on the podcast as well so that people can go straight to That'd that. That'd be appreciated, yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Um, and I know um, when we last met, um, you told me that uh, you have a particularly interesting hobby. Uh, have you had much chance to go out uh, sailing recently? Uh, yeah, not too bad actually. I was um, I was actually supposed to be sailing on on Monday night with the scouts, which is where how I sort of uh, spend an awful lot of my my, my time in the, in the weeks these days. Um, but yes, with the temperatures up in the early thirties, it was uh, it was a little warm. It's got to be said. Um, but yeah, try and get out in the summer if I can. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks, we'll get out again and uh, get out on the water. But yeah, maybe when it's a bit cooler. No, it's not much fun like being in a a caravan or a boat when it's sort of thirty degree heat. So no, yeah, I imagine like, not. Pick your, yeah, and there's no wind. You know, you've got <laughs> you've got to pick your pick your opportunities. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Without <laughs> wind, it doesn't really work, does it? It's it's not so much fun. No, no, definitely. And I don't go as far to say I'd imagine with the uh, with the right request for quote um, opportunities to join the boat with you at some stage. Well, this is it, absolutely. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. If, we've, if if anyone ever wants to come out and uh, and enjoy a bit of the Solent, you know, it's not far from us. Yeah, definitely, that'd be good fun. Good stuff. All right, Chris. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been great, great chatting to you. As I said, we'll put some links uh, to various different areas of the website. Um, and again, if anyone does have any questions, I know firsthand how great the team are um, at G2 and they will respond very quickly to you. No, much appreciated, Kevin. Really, really thanks for your time today, you know, and to Sims, you know, for all the work you guys are doing. So, yeah, that was great. Thanks so much. Brilliant. Thanks, Chris.